Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. I'm going to read a a decent... uh, we're going to read from James chapter 2. So if you want to begin turning there or getting there somehow, that would be great. It was a little bit too much to put up on the screen this morning. So um, it's best if you can find some version of the Bible, James chapter 2. And I'm going to share from this because uh, one of the greatest commentators on the book of James is Martin Luther. And um, not just because he's got a good name, but He's, he's a guy I've read a lot about and I really have admired and, and read as much as I could about Martin Luther over the last 20 years, I suppose. And he really studied this book in detail. Um, and uh, sometimes he didn't particularly like it. But it's one of those books that challenges us in both the area of our faith and what we do with our faith. And I feel like for me, for us, it's a great reminder. We're coming into a new year, 2020, and it's a great time to reassess how 2019 went, but also look at 2020 and have an assessment ourselves and have a review, if you like, and have a look and say, what didn't work in 2019, I'm going to get rid of, and I want to reinstate some new things in 2020 so that I can bear more fruit, because all of us want to bear fruit for the King. That's part of being a believer. It's part of being a son or a daughter of the Most High is we want to please Him. We want to do good things and we want to see God move in our lives. And so let's read James chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 14. James chapter 2, verse 14. I think it's NIV I'm reading from. And he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith Save them. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds." You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's a challenging passage because we can get caught up if we focus too much on one side, on getting out there and just doing, doing, doing. And we we can forget about actually having a faith and a belief and believing in God. And this is that balancing act of the sovereignty of God and the works of man or the actions of man. 
And I think that if we have a healthy perspective on the book of James and on this passage in particular, then we can realise that we need both hands open. We need one hand full of faith and one hand full of deeds. And if we have both of these things, we'll be a very balanced believer, we'll be an active believer, we'll be someone who walks in faith, but also walks in actions as well. And I don't know about you, but uh, someone like, Mother Teresa, I know she took this passage very personally and realised, I've got to do something. There's no point in me just praying all day, praying for the poor people out there all day and hoping that God will sovereignly drop manna from heaven on their street or someone else will help them. She got out there and did the deeds. And so often for us, this can be a tension in our faith is knowing When do we step into faith and believe that God will do something sovereignly? Or when do we actually recognise that we are the sovereign vessel to bring about His will? And it can be a hard tension, can't it? Because sometimes we've stepped too far on our own flesh and we thought, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to get this done, and we tire ourselves out because He wasn't actually calling us to. And then other times He's been yearning and pushing and reminding us maybe for years to do something and we're thinking, oh, He's going to sovereignly do that. And so staying close to His heart, staying close to His voice is a key to walking rightly as in faith and deeds. And so what we actually believe is very, very important about how we're going to act. So often we might have a belief about ourselves that I can't do this, that will then set about our actions in our life. And I want to encourage you, we're coming into a new year. It's a perfect time to review our beliefs. Do we have beliefs about ourselves that God doesn't have about us? Do we have beliefs about ourselves that no one else has about us? And so often I think in this day and age in the West, we minimise ourselves more than anyone else. We minimise and we discount what God can do through us. And I want to encourage you, never discount what God will do through you. In 2020, raise the bar of faith on how much God can use you. Raise the belief that you have about yourself of what God will accomplish through your life and through your gifts. Martin Luther said about this passage, Good works do not make a man good, but a good man does good works. It's, again, it's this tension of knowing how much do I act and how much do I believe. I want to give you my little 1% of wisdom. In the simple word, it's both. It's both faith and deeds. It's both faith and works or knowledge and action or sovereign and our ability to do. God has placed you and me here for a reason. He has given you gifts and talents and faith and ability that no one else has. You have unique ingredients that the person next to you doesn't have. And sometimes He's waiting on us to begin to enact those ingredients and move the kingdom of heaven ourselves. I used to think that Pentecostals, who used to talk about moving God. I used to think that was, uh, because it's non-Calvinistic to talk like that, I used to think that was wrong. 
Because I think, oh, they, they're just believing that they can now storm the heavens and take dominion and do things. Well, it's actually quite scriptural. Uh, but you forget about that when you have a set belief pattern, isn't it? But then it's not all about that. If you look at history in the last 500 years since the Reformation in 1517, I think it was, with Luther, and we look and we can see God has ebbed and flowed like the tide of the ocean. There's been flowing in of a move of God, like at the Reformation, there was a, a renewal of the justification by faith to the body of Christ and priesthood of all believers and people rising up in faith like they never had before in Christianity because there was a personal relationship released to the masses, not just the priests. And then we can see over history, there's been ebbs where the tide will ebb and, and, and almost God's sovereign hand will lift from the earth seemingly and man will have to fight it out on his own. And, and so we've had to wrestle through dark seasons where there hasn't been moves of God. I believe this is what James chapter 2 is talking about. We need faith and deeds. We need to realise that there is a God moving when there's an ebb and a flow. Even in my lifetime, 44 years, there's been a couple of serious moves of God and a number of sort of smaller moves of God where uh, even 25 years ago in, when the Toronto outpouring was really taking over Christianity in a, in a massive way. You could barely go anywhere and you would not see God moving somehow uh, through the great outpouring in Toronto. And interestingly enough, there was so much confusion at that time, so much just weird stuff going on. I mean, do you ever scratch your head and think, why on earth did God do that? But He loves to baffle us, doesn't He? And He bypasses our minds and understanding and He did so many great things. In, in that flow of His Spirit. And then there's an ebb. And then there's been flows and ebbs. And when I look at passages like this, I remember that there are times when He sovereignly moves on earth and there are times when He individually moves on earth. And there's times when He wants to move in you and in me. And we don't have to wait on a sovereign move of God because He may be moving in us. And He may be moving in us in a way where He wants to act in and through us. I've heard it said that, that we need a revival. And I, I read something uh, about a post in America, someone saying, you know, we need a revival more than ever. And it's probably true. But I wonder how many times God looks down and He says, well, I've given you every ingredient that you need. Every gift, everything is there. My word, my presence, my spirit, my, my faith, believers, actions, same stuff, same ingredients that were there hundreds of years ago. But then sometimes faith is not alone. It's accompanied by actions, actions in prayer, actions in faith. Actions in stepping out, actions in maybe in 2020, doing some things differently than 2019. And actually, rather than waiting on God and saying, God, we need rescuing, we need saving, but we do. But actually taking some of that faith and putting it into action in our own lives. And this is a challenge for me as well in 2020 to say, well, God, you, maybe you're not moving in the same way you were or maybe it looks differently than 25 years ago or 10 years ago or differently than a different location, but you're the same God. Yeah. 
Faith is the same now as it was 20 years ago. The ingredients are the same. His Word is the same. You are the same. I'm the same. Sometimes it takes action to actually release that Word. And it actually takes more faith to step out and to do this stuff in a valley than it does on a hilltop. It takes more faith when there's not a spontaneous um, move of God around us for actually us to step into that. I can remember, in fact, walking in here this morning, it was rather warm in the auditorium. And we tried everything we can. It's just warm. I'm sorry. But I, I, it just reminded me, and I, I said to someone, and I can't remember, I think it was 2006, 2007, um, when we had some conferences, Heidi Baker and Larry and some others were here in a January, and I think it was probably 40, 42 degrees outside, and six, 700 people crammed in here, and it was as hot as it possibly could get. And... Uh, and I remember in some of those seasons, it didn't really matter about the temperature because God was moving so powerfully that nothing else really mattered and people's hunger had risen to such a level that God was moving. And I often look back on times like that and I think, well, why don't you just do that again, God? And, and, and I'm sure He wants to more than us. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Does God want to move as much as we want Him to move? Of course He does. How much does He want to give good gifts to His children? But I wonder how, how many times sometimes He's waiting on our hearts. I don't know if He's always waiting on our hearts, but it's just a question I pose that there are times, there are seasons, there are ebbs and there are flows, but He never changes. And so there are times where I believe He looks to us and rather than just releasing a sovereign move across a church, across a city, across a nation, which we pray for and we ask for and we revel in it when He moves like that. But there's times where He's not moving like that. I don't know why. We're going to have to wait till we get to Him to ask Him, why didn't you move like you did in the Welsh Revival and save 100,000 people in a region in one year? Why don't you do that in Onkaparinga? It would be amazing, wouldn't it? But for some reason, he's not. Maybe he's looking at us. Maybe he's looking at me. Maybe he's looking and saying, well, hey, I'm just looking for those vessels. I don't know whether he is. I don't, I, I don't know the answers to this. So this is a confusing sermon today. I'm sorry. But sometimes we need to ask some questions, don't we? And we don't suppose to have every answer. But I just want to stir the pot a little bit today for a new year, 2020, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? What's it going to look like in our prayer life? What's it going to look like in our faith and our works? What's it going to look like in some of these areas if we've got bored, if we've lost our first love, if, we've, if some things have dwindled in ebbs and flows and things ebb and flow for me spiritually. We have ebbs and flows. I have ebbs and flows. And, and sometimes it takes more effort than, than other times. I had a really good reminder of that this week. We had, I had let our pool go dramatically bad. Uh, I don't know if you're a pool owner, but ours was as bad as it could possibly get. About two millimetres of calcium growth, white calcium growth along, across every surface of the whole pool. Everyone I rung said, oh, you just put in a little bit of that and that, that little bit of calcium around the top will disappear. I said, no, it's not a little bit of calcium around the top. It is completely encased in calcium buildup. And it's green and it's got some things floating in there. And... and um, 
Anyway, so everyone I rung, I even rang people interstate and, and then tried, I got some stuff delivered from interstate. I've been trying that, trying that. And a and couple of days ago, Karen and I sat out there and, and um, we were chatting about it. And she said what I'd been sort of postponing in my own head, and that is, we're going to have to drain it. We are going to have to drain it and, and clean it. And I always know what that means. And I just thought, yeah, I've been putting it off, try, hoping this chemical will miraculously, sovereignly just clean this thing. But no, sometimes it takes faith and works. And so for two days, we've been out there acid washing our pool and uh, we finally got it cleanish, and it's on the way to clean. So you can, you can be relieved. Still a little green, but you know. But it's just reminded me that there are times where we have to get in the pool and clean it out ourselves. God will not sovereignly come and just say, here you go, here's a velvet presence. Praying will be easy. Everything, just walk into, float into my presence every day, every night. No, sometimes we've got to acid clean our spirit. Sometimes we've got to actually take a bit of action on the crustiness. If you've got a bit dry, then take some action. If you've got a bit crusty, if things have got boring, you're the one who is looking at to take some action. No one else can do it for you. No one else can get into the deep, dark places of your heart and clean it up. Only you can. Only I can. Only I can get in that place of prayer and say, all right, Lord, I'm just going to get with you. I don't I'm not really feeling it. I'm not really believing it, but I'm going to get with you. It's pretty hot. There's plenty of other things. The cricket's pretty good right now, but I'm going to get with you anyway because I know I need a relationship that goes a little bit deeper. And in 2020, when we do that, things begin to change. And I want to just speak a little bit prophetically this morning. If 2019 wasn't such a good year, if you didn't see much progress in the Spirit, then have a look at the cleanliness of the pool. Have a look at the pool and maybe ask someone if you've got an honest wife like I have and say, all right, it's time to clean the pool. It's trying to drain the swamp, to coin a phrase. It's time to go and have a look at maybe why things aren't clean, why things aren't enjoyable and get back your joy. Get back your first love because it's not far away. It's not far away. It only takes a little bit of effort, a little bit of action, a little bit of faith and deeds. And He's always there. He's a loving Father. He's always ready to come and meet us where we're at. Wherever you're at today, get with Him this year. Prioritize him this year, whatever it is, whatever time frame it looks like, or however that looks for you, get with him this year and calibrate things so that in 2020, some of those problems aren't problems anymore. Because he has solutions. I believe that there is a, a fruitfulness for us when we get with him that we can't get any other way. He's called the tree of life. Really, really good trees bear good fruit. We are the fruit of the tree of life. We are the fruit of Him. So when we are with Him and when we hear from Him and when we understand Him and then we begin acting in the kingdom ways, then we actually begin evidencing the fruit of the kingdom. He's called you to bear fruit. He's called you to pray. He's called you to seek Him. He's called you and me to bear great fruit for the kingdom but it might take faith and deeds. It may not just be one or the other. I wonder how often he's just waiting for us to have a little bit of time. 
just a little bit of time. I want the worship team to come up this morning. And I promised myself it's 40 degrees. We'll keep it really short today. And, um, but I want to encourage us. I want us to take five minutes or so. And I've purposely left it a little bit short so that we can just have a few minutes to recalibrate and to action some faith and deeds. He may speak to you in this moment and he may share with you some things that you need to get rid of from 2019. Maybe it's beliefs about yourself. You're not good enough. You can't do this. You've made too many mistakes. No one listens to you. You've disappointed everyone. You've failed so many times. These are words of the enemy. These are the enemy's words over you. It's not what God says about you. So maybe you need to get rid of every negative voice that you've had in your life and just get rid of those things, criticisms, doubts, fears, insecurities. Get rid of those things and don't let those things hold you back in 2020. And in 2020, instead, take on His voice. Take on His beliefs about you.